We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. go episode 715 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Thursday December 7th 2023 and it has happened again it is former Nationals outfielder Juan Soto being traded he's becoming a vagabond a nomad uh late night on Wednesday night we got the official announcement of the New York Yankees the evil empire acquiring Soto via a trade with the San Diego Padres uh, this coming season is Soto's uh, final season before free agency uh he for the Padres hit very well but the Padres off making the National League Championship Series in 2022 had a very disappointing 2023, and so he now has been traded for a second time since the start of August 2022. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. A lot has happened with the Commanders since August 2022, and a lot more is going to be happening with the Commanders in the coming weeks with the massive change to football operations that we're all expecting. Hopefully, good times for our football team are coming, and you would think that good times coming would be a function, at least in part, of the Commanders doing well with their first round pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. A first round pick that, as of right now, would be the number four overall pick in the 2024 Draft. Coming up on the show, I will, for the first time, speak with pro football focus lead NFL Draft analyst Trevor Sikama. Uh, Trevor is one of my favorite NFL draft analysts, and he's going to tell us about who he, in his latest mock draft, which came out on Monday, has the commanders taking at four. Penn State left tackle Olu Fashanu. And we are going to go in-depth on how Commander's quarterback Sam Howell compares with the top four quarterbacks in the 2024 draft, according to Trevor. USC's Caleb Williams, North Carolina's Drake May, LSU's Jaden Daniels, and Oregon's Bo Nix. We shall see if Sam Howell, over the Commander's final four games this regular season, plays well enough to establish himself as the team's QB1 moving forward. But if the Commanders are going to have a top five pick in the 2024 draft, what are they looking at in terms of the quarterbacks? 
Uh, excellent insight on this and a lot more regarding the commanders and the draft is coming up with Trevor Sikama. Yes, it is December, but <laughs> given the state of the commander season, given them tracking toward having a top five pick in the 2024 draft, and given that change that we know is coming, talking NFL draft right now is what we're doing and what we need to be doing. Uh, before we get to Trevor, our next segment will react to the major report from ESPN on the commanders. Uh, the report came out on Wednesday morning and had a number of items, including Anonymous quotes on where and why this commander season has gone wrong. When it comes to major reports by ESPN, few entities in the history of sports have given ESPN more subject matter than our football team has. In recent years, that subject matter had been the owner, uh, but now the subject matter is the uh, dismal state of the commander's 2023 regular season. Four and nine with an NFL worst point differential of minus 134. Also on the show, I will react to the trading of Juan Soto, and I'll discuss moves by the Nationals and Orioles on Wednesday as the 2023 MLB winter meetings came to an end. Uh, the Nats made a nice pick in the 2023 Rule 5 draft. The O's made a big free agent acquisition reliever, Craig Kimbrell. And I'll talk Wizards and Maryland basketball. Uh, the Wizards, a 131-126 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night as the Wizards allowed Joel Embiid to score 50 points. Yes, Embiid scored 50 on our Wizards on Wednesday night, but the Terrapins got a big win, an 81-75 overtime win over Penn State at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Wednesday night. Boy, did the Terps need that victory. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have gotten a good bit of feedback on the commanders getting clowned by the Miami Dolphins on HBO's Hard Knocks. The Dolphins are the featured team on this season's in-season version of Hard Knocks. Uh, from Scott on X, watching Miami prep for the commanders on Hard Knocks hurts more than watching the game. The Dolphins knew exactly what to do to beat us, and we played right into that. Uh, thank you for that, Scott. Uh, from Dr. George Verghese of the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, writes Dr. Verghese, just watch the latest episode and they troll us for an hour. <laughs> Embarrassing. And FedEx is completely teal green. Should fire all coaches and make players do everything. Would be interesting for sure. Uh, thank you for the email, Dr. Verghese. Yes, uh, that would be interesting. Uh, here is the clip from the latest episode of Hard Knocks that most stood out to me. Dolphins receivers coach Wes Welker in a meeting last week in the lead-up to the Commander's 45-15 loss to the Dolphins at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon, saying, quote, if we get man coverage, it's stealing, end quote. Take a listen. This is what we're expecting, though, okay? Like, there's, there's going to be opportunities. Really, it's about speed through here, Reed. okay? Be ready to run right past his ass, okay? It's like, the, if we get man coverage, it's stealing, okay? All right? All right. And the show, as Wes Welker is saying, what he is saying, focuses in on Dolphins receiver Tyreek Hill, who in that commander's loss to the Dolphins had five receptions for 157 yards and two touchdowns on seven targets, with the touchdowns being of 78 and 60 yards. And beyond that 78-yard touchdown reception had defensive back Quan Martin getting torched by Tyreek in, wait for it, 
man coverage, which it turns out was <laughs> like stealing, uh, humiliating, just completely and totally humiliating. The tactical advantage that a team like the Dolphins with Mike McDaniel as its head coach has over our team with Rod Rivera as its head coach feels about the size of the Grand Canyon, man. Uh, email from Stanley Evans on something that we talked about at length on Tuesday's show, episode 713, Commander's Interior Defensive Lineman Jonathan Allen on the Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan on Monday morning, expressing an openness to being traded. Right, Stanley? I like John, and I understand that he wants to win, but John's name hasn't been mentioned in a game for weeks. The only time that we hear from John is in interviews. Josh owes no loyalty to anyone. If John wants to leave, I'd say good riddance. Go and get good value back for him. Start from the ground up with a true rebuild that this organization hasn't seen for decades. I'd rather do that than hear how close we are to winning as currently constructed. Uh, thank you for the email, Stanley. Uh, John Allen has done and has been a lot of good things for Washington. So I don't want to hammer him too hard. Uh, I think that he's frustrated like a lot of us are frustrated right now. But, you know, John Allen multiple times this season during postgame sessions with reporters sounding off on the commander struggles and now him expressing this openness to being traded. There is a woe is me aspect to John doing these things <laughs> that conveniently leaves out that he himself has been part of the losing. And that's not to say that John has been a primary reason for the losing, but let's just look at this season. The number one reason for the commanders being so bad this season is their defense, which is awful. John Allen is a major piece on that defense. He is a major piece on a defensive line that has been such a disappointment. Uh, so disappointing has been the defensive line that commander's managing partner Josh Harris had the team on the day of the NFL trade deadline trading the team's top two edge defenders in Montez Sweat and Chase Young. And John is a team captain. This is his fifth season as a Washington team captain. John Allen should be demonstrating accountability and leadership not giving us a woe is me act. Uh, well, if you own or run a company in Maryland, Virginia, or Washington, D.C., you obviously want to demonstrate accountability and leadership. And a great way of demonstrating those things is putting BMC Insurance to work for you regarding insurance for your employees. BMC Insurance can assist you with designing and implementing group benefit plans for employees. These plans include group health, dental, vision, life, and disability insurance. Go to insurancebmc.com. You'll be put in touch with the owner and president, Matt Brooks, a big Commanders fan, a loyal listener of this podcast. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. BMC Insurance uses cost-effective technology platforms to help employers manage employee onboarding and open enrollment periods. BMC Insurance conducts open enrollment meetings with its clients' employees via Zoom, a pre-recorded webinar, or an in-person meeting. And BMC Insurance is run by people like Matt Brooks who develop relationships with the employees of its clients so that the employees go to BMC Insurance with insurance carrier claim or billing issues, not you, the employer. You see... BMC Insurance takes the insurance burden off the employee and off 
the employer so that the employee and the employer can focus on what they do for a living and not insurance. BMC Insurance advises on strategies regarding implementing new group benefit plans and implementing employer contributions to these group benefit plans. Also, BMC Insurance can assist those who do not get health and dental insurance from their employers in obtaining health and dental insurance from the Maryland Health Connection and DC Health Link. And BMC Insurance understands how federal tax credits available through the Maryland Health Connection and DC Health Link work and benefit those who are eligible. The federal open enrollment period for those purchasing health insurance for themselves runs now through January 15th. If you own or run a company in Maryland, Virginia, or Washington, D.C., there is a better way to do insurance. Let BMC Insurance take how you do insurance for your employees to an elite level for both them and you. Put BMC Insurance to work for you. Go to insurancebmc.com, talk to Matt Brooks, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. That's insurancebmc.com, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, the Commander's 2023 season has become yet another Washington season that is so bad that it is going to lead to major change. We already have had the firings of defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and defensive backs coach Brent Bieselmeyer. We are steamrolling toward managing partner Josh Harris firing head coach Rod Rivera as soon as the team's season is over. Heck, maybe sooner. Uh, This season is like Washington's 2019 season, which was like Washington's 2013 season, which was like Washington's 2009 season, which was like Washington's 2003 season. All of those seasons were seasons so bad that they prompted major change. But another commonality between this season and at least some of those other seasons now is leaking. When the ship be sinking, the leakers be leaking. And sure enough, we on Wednesday morning got a major report filled with leaks, filled with anonymous quotes, and filled with intel from anonymous sources. Uh, We, (laughs) over the years, have seen this kind of report regarding our football team plenty. And We on Wednesday morning got yet another one of these reports. Uh, The report was a lengthy piece co-authored by ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler and ESPN Commanders insider John Keim. The headline, quote, how the commanders reached the crossroads and what comes next, end quote. Uh, I can bottom line the piece via this telling quote from an anonymous commander's front office source, quote, It feels like a new direction is coming across the board, end quote. Ah, heck yes. It does feel like a new direction is coming across the board, and I can't wait, and I know that many of you can't wait. Uh, There was a lot to this report. I'm going to break it down into four subjects on which significant light was shed. Uh, The piece shed light on the commander's trading of edge defenders Montez Sweat and Chase Young on Halloween, what was 2023 NFL trade deadline day. Quote, new owner Josh Harris meeting remotely with his football brain trust faced his first big football decision since he'd been approved as owner on July 20th. Harris emphasized he was open to acquiring future draft capital on the trade market, particularly with Sweat and Young, according to front office and team sources. Harris didn't roll in as a sheriff, 
as the source put it, in line with the owner's philosophy of leaning on staff to make recommendations before major decisions are made. He gave his opinion, everyone was heard, and we landed in a fair spot. But when you're calling the shots, a suggestion can often be taken as an edict. Sweat and Young were gone within hours of the meeting, dealt to Chicago and San Francisco for second and third round picks, respectively. Within league circles, the terms of the trades were viewed as favorable to the commanders, but that didn't mean it felt like a win for General Manager Martin Mayhew, Executive Vice President of Football-slash-Player Personnel Marty Herney, or Rivera. Today has not been a good day a personnel source said in a text to ESPN on the evening of October 30th, end quote. So this passage is yet another indication that Josh Harris was a driving force in the team trading both Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Didn't order the team to trade those guys, but Josh uh, did make his feelings known. And uh, Ron and the two Martys took that as a sign of, yeah, uh, we better trade Tez and Chase. Uh, I was not against the commanders trading both of those guys, especially considering the return for Montez Sweat, a 2024 second round pick that should be quite high. But the bigger takeaway from the commanders trading both Montez Sweat and Chase Young is the message. The commanders trading both guys was a crystal clear sign from Josh Harris that he believes, correctly so in my opinion, that Washington, having spent so much in the way of draft capital and salary cap space on a defensive line for a defense that this season is terrible and that over the last four seasons has been highly volatile, has been a failure. That's the harsh truth. Uh, While we're talking commander's defense, the ESPN piece from Wednesday morning also made it clear that the firings of Jack Del Rio and Brent Wieselmeyer on the day after Thanksgiving were the calls of Ron Rivera, Uh, And the piece shed light on what went wrong for the commander's defense this season under Jack. Quote, there was a feeling among players and team sources that the more Washington struggled, the more complicated its scheme became. Some players said the game plan didn't change enough. Others said the rules of the defense changed and led to on-field breakdowns. Rivera and Del Rio were communicating weekly on how to improve, and everyone was on the same page per the head coach, which is why Del Rio was at least mildly surprised by the timing of his firing. Others sensed uncertainty when Del Rio's contract was not extended last offseason beyond 2023, despite the commander's third-ranked total defense. Most coaches with existing deals did not get renewed, due in part to the ownership change, but this left Del Rio's future with the team murky. Del Rio is described by team sources as fair, but opinionated and strong-willed. Rivera, as one of the sources put it, had to do something for defensive players who felt defeated, didn't know how to win, and didn't believe coaches knew of a way to fix what was going on. End quote. Uh, The ESPN piece from Wednesday morning also shed light on the problems that people have had with commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. We, in recent weeks, have heard more rumblings of this, and now we have some actual detail. Quote, while quarterback Sam Howell has performed admirably and Bieniemy has proven he can both design and implement an offense, Rivera's wager on the 54-year-old coach has been something less than an instant jackpot. Rivera relinquished a degree of power and, by extension, some authority within the team by bringing in the enemy. 
Rivera wanted to shake things up after the firing of previous OC Scott Turner by giving Bienemy influence over the team's regular season practice and meeting schedules, among other areas. Like the Chiefs, the Commanders have switched to a Monday off day during game weeks instead of the customary Tuesday. Some players, including team veterans and those with families, have not warmed to it. It's what Bienemy wants, one player grumbled. Among the players' other issues early in the year, per team sources, was that afternoon offensive meetings frequently ran long and got in the way if players needed treatment. The enemy's initial concession was to allow players to use foam rollers on the floor of the meeting rooms to save meeting time for a team source. In recent weeks, the enemy has relaxed some of the demands, including shortening Wednesday practices from two hours to closer to an hour and a half. He's gotten better at respecting our time, one player told ESPN. As one chief source said of the enemy, he's demanding and he'll push people and he doesn't care if he ruffles feathers. That same chief source said many players in Kansas City needed that push, including quarterback Patrick Mahomes and tight end Travis Kelsey. Multiple sources said the enemy and the offensive coaches work well past midnight some nights during the week, less than standard practice in an NFL that typically includes early morning starts to the workday. One member of the staff said, while the long hours are a testament to the enemy's stamina, the pace is nearly impossible to maintain even in the notoriously sleep-deprived NFL coaching profession due to the length of the season. End quote. Uh, so a lot there, obviously. Uh, I think that this stuff with Eric Bieniemy being too harsh with players is one of the trickiest things to assess. On the one hand, this season's commander's offense, while it is far from great, actually is the team's best offense since the 2017 regular season, if you go by ranking in the NFL in yards per play. Additionally, I don't have a lot of interest in hearing complaining from players on a team that isn't good. And the stuff that you do hear about Eric Bieniemy's time as Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator does include him having positive impacts on two of the best players in the league in Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But, you know, it's 2023, not 1963. And you do wonder if there is an antiquated nature to how Eric Bieniemy coaches. Constantly yelling at people, having coaches work late into nights. These are old school tactics that, yes, can work, but also are not prerequisites for success anymore. You know, there's a saying, you've probably heard it. Uh, the saying has to do with working a lot. Work smarter, not harder. I don't know if that applies to this situation, right? We don't know, but I do wonder about that, you know? Is this just an instance of, hey, more isn't better? Work smarter, not harder. Uh, and then lastly, the ESPN piece from Wednesday morning had some interesting nuggets on Ron Rivera as a motivator. Quote, with Washington sitting at 26-36-1 during his tenure, questions about Rivera's ability to maximize the team's ability persist. Rivera often begins meetings with three words that serve as team pillars, attitude, preparation, effort. Feeling the mantra was ringing hollow, Rivera stopped using it this season, a team source said. For whatever reason, the players just didn't seem to be fired up this year, one front office source said of Rivera's motivational impact, end quote. <laughs> Boy, 
Does that last anonymous quote stand out? For whatever reason, the players just didn't seem to be fired up this year. Now, look, this is the NFL. Uh, These players are professionals being paid a lot of money. These players should not need a head coach to say just the right thing in order to be motivated. Uh, The profession should be motivation enough. But, you know, in life, what should be the case and what is the case often are two different things. And so, well, yeah, NFL players should be self-motivators. Many are not. And so part of the job of being an NFL head coach is motivating players and connecting with players and getting them into headspaces by which the players' performances are maximized. And clearly, this has not happened with Ron Rivera. Ron is 61 years old. Uh, He, of course, had the cancer battle in 2020. You do wonder if he has lost the touch, the fire to motivate and connect with today's NFL player. And we can't know the answer to that with certainty, but how do you not wonder about that? Especially off that quote, for whatever reason, the players just didn't seem to be fired up this year. I mean, if ever there was going to be a Washington season for which players are fired up, this would have seemed to be that season, right? When you think about new ownership. And yet, For whatever reason, the players just didn't seem to be fired up this year. Boy, (laughs) is that a damning quote. Well, if you are planning a big event, uh, like a wedding or a holiday party, you surely are motivated for the event to go well. And that's why you got to go with Catering by Uptown. Catering by Uptown is the DMV's number one catering service. Catering by Uptown is a family business that prides itself on its signature dishes and flawless presentations. And Catering by Uptown goes beyond just food. Catering by Uptown offers personalized consultation and event planning assistance that are outstanding, including venue coordination, custom catering menu selection from over a thousand delicious dish selections, and a day of event coordinator who will make sure that everything runs smoothly from putting together and executing a menu to picking linens to selecting an excellent florist. Catering by Uptown is committed to meeting your needs and exceeding your expectations. Whether you are having a wedding or a corporate event, an intimate gathering or a gala, Catering by Uptown is the way to go. Visit cateringbyuptown.com and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Also know this, Catering by Uptown has job openings for the event waitstaff. No experience is necessary and you get paid in-house training. Great opportunity if you're looking for work. Visit cateringbyuptown.com. That's cateringbyuptown.com. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, please consider following the podcast if you're not already doing that. Following the podcast is free. If you have an iPhone, you can follow the podcast simply by tapping the plus sign in the upper right corner on the page listing the recent episodes of the podcast. Uh, There is not much to feel good about (laughs) with the Commanders 2023 season, but there is much to be excited about with the Commanders 2024 offseason. Massive change to the team's football operations is coming. Of that, there is no doubt. And the Commanders are tracking toward having a top 
five pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Uh, them being just two and nine since their two no start to this regular season has been brutal, no doubt. But the team, as of now, has the number four overall pick in the 2024 draft. I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast for the first time pro football focus lead NFL draft analyst Trevor Sikama. Uh, he is one of the top NFL draft analysts and he on Monday came out with his 2024 mock NFL draft 3.0. Yeah, he's already up to a third version <laughs> of a mock 2024 draft. Uh, you can follow Trevor on X at Tampa Bay Trey. And Trevor is the co-host of a terrific NFL draft podcast, NFL Stock Exchange. Uh, Trevor, it's nice to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing doing great, Al. I appreciate you having me on the show. I'm, uh, I'm excited to get to talk about the draft with you. We talked a little bit before we hit the record button that... Uh, yeah, this is what we do this time of year. You know, Washington fans, uh, I, I grew up just south of Tampa, so uh, uh, that's how I got into the draft myself. So this is just, you know, what we're used to. So, uh, no, it's it's good to be on and uh, good to talk with you. Yeah, for us, the offseason is the season. Uh, I wanted to have you on primarily to talk about Commander's quarterback Sam Howell as he relates to the top quarterbacks in the 2024 draft. But before we get to that, you win your 2024 mock NFL draft. 3.0. Have the commanders at four taking Penn State left tackle Olu Fashanu. Uh, the hype for him has become massive. Just how good of a left tackle prospect is Olu Fashanu? I, I just think that the tools that he brings to the table are very rare. I, we talk about offensive tackles that kind of come through classes and we'll say, oh yeah, this guy's you know a future starter and things like that. But Fashanu, six foot six, three hundred twenty pounds. I mean, he just he moves so fluidly. Uh, the footwork is fantastic. The balance, the core strength, um, how he uses his hands in pass protection already is just a two year starter. I mean, we're talking about somebody who he had the option to go to the NFL draft last year. He would have been a top ten pick, perhaps even the first tackle off the board last year as just a redshirt sophomore and a first time starter. And so that's the kind of talent level that we're talking about here. When you watch him in pass protection. You just see a guy who moves different, right? I think former offensive linemen will tell you, hey, O-linemen are actually the best athletes on the field because they got to keep up with everybody else, but they're over 300 pounds. For Olu Fashanu, I mean, that's that's true. You're really not getting a lot of pushback. He is a, uh, a dancing bear, if you will, with how he moves at his size, just the explosiveness, the fluidity, the control, everything. He's just such a phenomenal pass protector and that's what you covet in the NFL draft right I think there's a lot of offensive linemen who might come into the draft circle and you go okay he's a really good run blocker Ah, pass protection needs work I think that's the case for a lot of offensive tackles even some of the better ones that you'll see come through the draft but it's rare when you get a player that you go man this guy's already an NFL caliber pass protector. And I think that that is the case with Olu Fashano. So um, run blocking needs work, although this year has been better as a run blocker. He got stronger this year. He's been able to displace guys a little bit more. Uh, that Ohio State game, it was, it was his toughest when it came to dealing with strength. But I even watched, re rewatched that game in the All-22 angle. And I'm like, man, if, if people are saying that this is the worst game that this guy's got on film, uh, this is a top five pick all day long. So Fashanu, to me, what he brings to the table, the rareness of his uh, movement skills and abilities and what he can do with pass protection, that's what makes him worthy of a top five pick. 
As you know, Olu Fashanu and Notre Dame's Joe Alt are viewed as the top two left tackle prospects in the 2024 draft. Is there a debate to be had regarding Fashanu versus Alt, or not really? I mean, there's definitely a debate. I mean, these two are very close. They are, to me, long-term NFL offensive tackles. I would take Fashanu uh, pretty, I don't want to say, see, when I say pretty easily, it's, it's almost like insulting to where Joe Alt is because he's, he's a phenomenal prospect. But just because of the pass protection abilities, acumen, uh, athleticism of Fashanu already, I would take that just because pass protection is the more valuable trait. But for what all does, I mean, Alt himself is six foot eight, uh, 315 pounds. I mean, this dude's massive as well. And when you get these offensive tackles that are supersized, if you will, you know, these six foot eight guys, sometimes you worry, okay, are they going to be built the right way? Because a lot of guys that are that big, you know, they have balance issues. The weight won't be distributed properly. Sometimes they're a little too hunched over. They have that lack of, of natural leverage. And so you just got to play with more technique. You've got to be more flexible. You've got to be able to sink your hips a lot more than some of these other guys necessarily do. But Alt certainly has been able to do that. He's got three years of starting experience now for Notre Dame. So he's got that experience, even as just a true junior. So you love that about him. Both to me, top 10 caliber picks so if it's a situation where oh maybe you don't get Fashanu it's not like man we gotta we gotta settle for Joe Alt no you're gonna be very happy with Joe Alt as well both of these guys very good offensive tackle prospects putting aside quarterback if it somehow happens to be that the commanders with their 2024 first round pick can choose between the top offensive lineman in the draft Olu Fashanu and the top receiver in the draft Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr., who is getting so much hype. Uh, like, let's say the Commanders wind up with the number three overall pick in the draft and quarterbacks go one, two. Who should the team take at three, Fashanu or Harrison? Yeah, you know, this is a question that was posed to me actually from a New York Jets angle. It was a Jets fan who who reached out to me not too long ago and said, hey, if they're in this situation where they're picking number three overall, do you take Harrison Jr., do you take Fashanu, or what do you do here? Um Obviously, you would entertain trade-back options if you're picking in the top three and you're not taking a quarterback and one might be on the board. But um, I think that I would be taking Marvin Harrison Jr. This is somebody who I just went over his regular season film once again, and he he might be the highest-graded film score that I have ever recorded. I mean, the, the, the dude just does everything at an NFL pro level already, which is just astounding to say. So th- there aren't any... Sure things. I mean, sure thing does not exist in the NFL draft. It is always a game of risk. But it is hard to imagine you get anything closer to a sure thing than what Marvin Harrison Jr. has been able to put out over these last couple of seasons. So I think that with those two prospects that I mentioned in Fashano and Alt, you hear me talk about how much I like them, how much I think they are top 10 players, how much I think they have all pro ceilings. And yet I would still take Marvin Harrison Jr. over them. That just goes to show you how good this guy is and how he can impact an offense. Wow. Uh, I'm going to talk Sam Howell and the top quarterbacks in the 2024 draft with Trevor Sikama in seconds. But if you enjoy podcasts like this one and Trevor's NFL Draft podcast, check out BGO Blind Pig, the official podcast of BGObsession.com. 
BGO Blind Pig is a roundtable discussion of all things Washington Commanders football. Lots of good and passionate Commanders conversation from Commanders fans who know the team well. You can find the BGO Blind Pig podcast on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, or on any major podcast provider. Make BGObsession.com the home for your Burgundy and Gold obsession. And make the BGO Blind Pig podcast one of your weekly DC football listens. More now with Pro Football Focus lead NFL draft analyst Trevor Sikama. All right, now two quarterbacks. So you and your 2024 mock NFL draft 3.0 have four quarterbacks being taken in the first round. Uh, You have USC quarterback Caleb Williams, the pride of Gonzaga College High School in Washington, D.C., being taken with the number one overall pick. North Carolina's Drake May at two, LSU's Jaden Daniels at nine, and Oregon's Bo Nix at 21. The extent to which the commanders will be in on a quarterback in the 2024 draft will be determined, A, by how Sam Howell plays the rest of this Commander's season, and B, what whoever is running Commander's football operations after this season thinks of Sam Howell. Uh, What do you think of Sam as an NFL quarterback? No, so I'll I'll first say this. Uh, Sam Howell should not have been picked in the fifth round. I mean, it was just, it was, to me, ridiculous that he lasted that long in the draft when he was coming out. I mean, his talents and what he was able to show at UNC for those three years of him starting alone the the production alone was better than fifth i just I, I i was floored by where he got drafted and so you know when people talk about this conversation of you know, where he was picked and that do you give a guy this much time to me sam howell and the opportunity that he's getting right now should have been that of a at least a day two player probably a second round player you know i don't know the first round i think that that's maybe a little bit tricky depending on the class and, and the class that he was in but uh, at least a second round guy. So this is somebody who, to me, should have been picked in that range. And you kind of give the benefit of the doubt to as if he was a potential top 50 pick. So that's how I view him. And then when I look at him this year, he has shown a lot of promise and he has shown a lot of things that you really like. Now, the tricky part about him is, of course, not only the big time throws, but also the turnover where he plays. He's got more than 20 of both of those things. Um, and so that's something that you got to hone in on. But you look at kind of his journey and, and what he is right now as a quarterback. And uh, I, we've got different ways to kind of divvy up some production that these guys have. And, and, and one of the stats that I've used for, for how is lately he has been such a fantastic quarterback when it comes to making plays outside of structure. And we have a, a, a filter that we can use on his grades and his plays that are like, okay, is the quarterback moved off of his spot? So it's a little bit different than a pressure, but it's like, okay, is this, if this guy is moved, is he getting out of the pocket? And how was actually pretty good from a clean pocket early on in the season. Whereas as of late, when he has been operating from a clean pocket, that's kind of where he has struggled, but it's been a little bit of a flip because he's been fantastic outside of structure. So we've seen these two different versions of how this year. And to me, it's been really encouraging. I would lean that unless you are picking Caleb Williams and Drake may, and unless you really believe that those guys are true franchise, different difference makers, gotta have them type of quarterbacks. I'd stick with Sam Howell over the rest of the quarterbacks that are in this class. So uh, unless Washington ends up getting a top three pick and they have the opportunity to pick one of those top two quarterbacks, I'd probably be rolling with Howell. I'd probably be taking Marvin Harrison Jr. or Oluk Fashanu, one of those guys, because I, I, I just feel as though what he has shown you 
versus the risk of these other prospects that are coming through and have promise. I'll, I'll say that I like these guys, but let's be honest. Never played it down in the NFL before, right? And so I think that goes into it as well. So you take what Howell has been able to give you, and I think you at least give that one more year uh, over everybody else that's not Caleb Williams or Drake May. It's encouraging to hear that. If the Commanders have the number four overall pick and trading up to number one or number two is a possibility, should they do that? In other words, how can't miss are Caleb Williams and Drake May? Yeah, I mean, I like those guys just because the arm talent of, of Caleb Williams and Drake May is is just so fantastic. Of course, we know what Caleb Williams has been as an out of you know out of pocket, out of script player. Uh, we've seen it over the last couple of years, and a lot of what Caleb Williams does is kind of the style that Sam Howell has showed a little bit in the NFL. So there have been flashes of that. But with Caleb, you're just hoping that you get even more of it, even greater highs, and you're hoping the turnover worthy plays are down. Even though I think that both of those quarterbacks could say that they need to take care of the ball a little bit more. Drake May is kind of the same way. But he's another guy who has led the country in big time throws over the last couple of years. And so really, I would have both of those guys above what I've seen from Hal right now. But the gap is not, you know, it's not substantial. And to me, if Washington's sitting there with the fourth or fifth overall pick, what it's going to cost you to get from even four or five into the category of picking at one or two to draft one of those guys, to me, that's not worth it. To me, you would rather at that point in time roll with Howell, get one of those good offensive linemen, or get uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Because it's going to cost you multiple first-round picks, even to move from four or five up to two or one. That's just the price of doing business for a quarterback because you're not just bidding with the team that you're trading with. You're bidding against every single other team. And as I go through these mock draft formats, the issue that stands out the most is there's a lot of teams that probably wish they could change their scenery at quarterback right now, but there's not going to be enough quarterbacks in the top 15 that are worth that. So if you're unfortunately for Washington, they would be in a bidding war with maybe the Saints, maybe the Bucks, maybe um the Giants, you know, like maybe the, these other teams that might be picking in the top 12, who knows when who's all going to be in the top 12 when it's all said and done. And that's what you don't want to do. So it's going to cost you multiple first to get up to draft those guys anyways. And to me, I'd rather roll with Howell at that point and, uh, and go get and, and, and keep the first round picks to get some blue chippers. As I said, you do have Jaden Daniels going at nine. Should the commanders with a number four or number five overall pick be open to Jaden Daniels? I, I, I like Jaden Daniels a lot. Uh, four or five is still it, that'd be rich for me with Jaden, even for as good as he has been playing. The thing that I like the most about Daniels is when he was at Arizona State, I did not take him seriously as an NFL prospect. I mean, he had a big arm, he had some nice athleticism, but uh, he was just not a good decision maker. He really didn't read the field much beyond his first read, and then just tucking it to run. He's a great athlete, fun college football player, but that's all I thought of him. And he goes over to LSU and. Not this past year, but the year before in 2022, you could tell that he focused really hard on taking care of the football, improving his decision making and not putting the ball into harm's way. He had one of the lowest turnover worthy play rates in the country because of it. So you go, okay, wow, job well done. But 
the big time throws and how much he pushed the ball down the field, that was a lot less as well. This year, he tried to take the lessons that he learned in 2022 of taking care of the football and then continue to evolve when it came to pushing the ball deep down the field, marrying both of those trains of thought when it comes to quarterback position. And he absolutely did that. So this year, we saw the best version of Jaden Daniels that we've ever seen when it came to big-time throws, which he's got some of the most in the country. Still a low turnover-worthy play rate, although not as low as last year. But still, you could tell those lessons are there. You can tell that he is very comfortable now going through his progressions, getting to multiple reads. He's got good wide receivers to throw to, but he's setting them up great. And then, of course, he's still got that uh, great asset as a runner with his legs as well. He was an elite rusher for us uh, in in our system, too. So... There is a lot to like about Jaden Daniels, but I don't know if I'd be I, I don't know if he's a surefire better than Sam Howell type of an NFL quarterback given the, some of the promises that we have seen from Howell. So at that point, because there's sort of doubt there, I'm probably going to roll with the guy I already have under a rookie contract, <laughs> my uh, uh, very cheap rookie contract at that, given how late he was drafted. And again, you, you just you got to build the team around him because I don't think the team around him is what what it can be with how and i would rather roll with him roll with what we have seen and continue to build that roster there even even with a guy like Jaden daniels on the board makes a lot of sense uh which quarterbacks did you not have in the first round of your 2024 mock nfl draft 3.0 who you could see having in a future first round of a mock 2024 draft I think a lot of people like J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. Uh, I'm not as high on him as other people are. I I went into the year pretty skeptical of him because that first year of him starting in 2022 – He's got a he's got a lot of arm talent. He's got a great arm to him, and he's a he's a pretty good athlete with his legs for his capability as well. But playing the quarterback position, knowing exactly where to look and when to look, feeling that pressure as it's coming around you, having that sixth sense for what's going on around you, being able to navigate the pocket, that was stuff that he was he was consistently a tick slow on a lot of those things last season. I still see some of that this year, especially in the games where he is playing the competition level that is going to be closest to NFL competition. So I like the arm talent of J.J. McCarthy. He's somebody who I would consider in the first round, but I'm, I'm not there yet like I think other people are. The same can be said with Queen Ewers from Texas. I think some people really like to put him in first rounds of mock drafts, but again, he is somebody who he played really well in that Bama game when it came to hitting the deep ball, but it's been pretty inconsistent against really good opponents since and around that going back to last year too. So he is another person who ton of arm talent. I mean, I got to see Quinn Ewers throw in person when he was a high schooler before he even got to Ohio state or Texas. And I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's, I mean, he's got NFL arm talent for days and, and you could just see it so very clearly. So has the physical tools to be able to compete at that level. But again, somebody who I think needs some time and it's not always a guarantee that you become a much better manager of the pocket at the NFL level. If he does, he's got the tools to do it. He's another person that you consider. And then Michael Penix Jr. I, I like Michael Penix Jr. a lot from Washington. He is, I, I'm a little worried that he's kind of like a one speed type of quarterback where when he throws the fastball, he's like, he's like a specialty pitcher in baseball, right? When he throws the fastball, if he's throwing gas, I mean, nobody can hit him. I, the way that this guy attacks deep down the field, attacks to the sidelines, and some of the ball placement that he has had while putting so much heat on the ball is um, 
it's given us some of the best throws in college football this year. But it's when he's got to dial it back, put a little bit more touch on it. That's when you start to see some accuracy and some ball placement issues from him. So uh, you, maybe you could fix up his throwing motion because he does have a little bit of an elongated throwing motion. Um, his feet aren't always married with his upper body, but his upper body is so strong. He knows he can make up for it right now. So there are things that he could get better. But to me, those would be the next three quarterbacks in line. I'd throw Shadur Sanders in there as well, who I like from Colorado. I just don't think he declares. Like, I think he's going to come back another year at Colorado. But if he does declare for the draft, I think he's another guy that could be in that first round conversation. This is a total hypothetical, but if there was a redraft of the 2022 draft, where in the draft would Sam Howell be taken? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a top 50 guy, no doubt about it, just because of 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 how he has played and and when you play the quarterback position if you get somebody who even even piques your interest to be a potential long-term starter that's somebody that you take in the first round I mean we've seen quarterbacks get taken in the first round in years past for a lot less so uh without knowing exactly without remembering exactly how the first round of that 2022 NFL draft went I mean at the very least he's an early second round pick but yeah to me he probably makes it in that back end of the first round One more for you. The commanders in the 2023 NFL draft took corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. with the number 16 overall pick. Uh, He has had a bad rookie season that has featured him being benched. Uh, He now has missed the team's last two games due to an elbow injury. There were those who thought that the commanders overdrafted Forbes. Uh, What did you think about them taking him at 16? Yeah, um, I liked Forbes, but I wasn't as high on him as others were. You know, certainly uh, him getting drafted above Christian Gonzalez was something that that I would not have done. I had Christian Gonzalez and Devon Witherspoon a lot higher than I had Emmanuel Forbes, and he is somebody who has a knack for interceptions, great ball skills, obviously really great movement skills at a lower weight. But I, it's. It's hard to bet on size outliers a lot. And it's funny that I say that because I had Bryce Young as my number one overall player last year. And and I just kind of bet on him because of what I'd seen from him over the last couple of years. But it's hard for guys like that to be able to consistently dominate the NFL level. Now, Forbes is somebody who I think it was always going to take a little bit of time from him because when he was at his best at Mississippi State, he had confidence and anticipation. You know, he's got the athleticism to still have that at the NFL level, but he's not used to how big and strong and fast these NFL wide receivers are. Even playing in the SEC, the consistency of the, the, the level of competition that you go up against at the NFL level is tough, especially a corner. I tell people all the time, I think that outside of quarterback, cornerback is the toughest position in the game to start as a rookie and play really well. It's just, it's just the the demand is so, so difficult. So um, I I think that when you have a less than stellar, or I'll even say disappointing rookie season as a starter at corner, to me, it's never a death sentence. This is always a position that you need a couple of years to really get a, uh, let a guy figure out the speed of the game. And I think for Forbes, there's still reason to believe he can all figure it out, even with him struggling with this year. We certainly hope so. Pro Football Focus lead NFL draft analyst Trevor Sikama. Uh, Trevor, thank you and all the best. Yeah, to you as well. I appreciate you having me on the show anytime.
All right, great stuff from Trevor. Great stuff from Underdog Fantasy, which is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. And Underdog Fantasy has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code GALDI. Underdog Fantasy offers fantasy football, fantasy basketball, fantasy hockey. Underdog Fantasy offers daily contests and season-long fantasy. In fact, Underdog Fantasy offers season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be really time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, Major League Baseball's 2023 winter meetings are over. Uh, They took place from Sunday through Wednesday in Nashville, Tennessee. And what was a mostly calm winter meetings ended up leading 
to a massive trade. Former Nationals outfielder Juan Soto has been traded for a second time in 18 months. The New York Yankees, late night on Wednesday night, announced having acquired Soto and fellow outfielder Trent Grisham from the San Diego Padres for five players. It was on August 2nd, 2022, what was 2022 MLB trade deadline day that the Nats traded Soto and first baseman Josh Bell to the Padres for six players, including five prospects. And oh, the poetry of Juan Soto and Trent Grisham being traded together. It was in the Nats' 4-3 win over the Milwaukee Brewers at Nationals Park in the National League wildcard game on October 1st, 2019, that Soto had what at that point was arguably the biggest hit for the Nats since the franchise came to Washington, D.C., a two-out, bases-loaded, go-ahead single, off which three runs scored in the bottom of the eighth. Soto was credited with two RBI and a third run scored on an error by then-Brewers right fielder Trent Grisham, who allowed the ball uh, to get by his outstretched glove. Uh, Soto did get tagged out by Brewers third baseman Mike Moustakis in a rundown between second and third for the third out. But uh, we can forgive that given what ended up happening. The Nats winning the 2019 World Series. But yeah, Juan Soto traded late night on Wednesday night. Also late night on Wednesday night, multiple reports that another ex-Nat free agent third baseman Jamer Candelario has agreed on a contract with the Cincinnati Reds. You know, there had been talk of the Nats signing Candelario, who they signed to a one-year free agent contract in November 2022 and then traded to the Chicago Cubs this past July 31st off him playing well for the Nats. Candelario, at the time of being traded by the Nats, was number one among all qualified National League third basemen in both major versions of wins above replacement war for the 2023 regular season. Uh, As for transactions actually done by the Nats, a largely uneventful winter meetings for the Nats did include them on Wednesday selecting infielder Nassim Nunez in the major league phase of the 2023 Rule 5 draft. Uh, I like this pick. So the 2024 season will be Nunez's age 23 season. Nunez was set to enter the 2024 season as the number six prospect in the Marlins farm system per Baseball America, which labeled him as having the best strike zone discipline, being the fastest base runner, being the best defensive infielder, and having the best infield arm among Marlins minor leaguers. Uh, Nunez was named the most valuable player of the 2023 All-Star Futures game and was named as an Arizona Fall League Rising Star in 2023. There is a lot to like with this guy, Nassim Nunez. So you say, well, why did the Marlins make him available in the Rule 5 draft? Well, the knock on Nunez is that uh, his batting beyond the plate discipline, not so good. Uh, Nunez in the 2023 season, over 585 plate appearances for the AA Pensacola Blue Wahoos, had a slugging percentage of just a 286 and a batting average of just a 225. Did have an on base percentage of 341, but the lack of hitting is the concern. But the guy is good defensively, has good plate discipline, and can run. Uh, This was Nats president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo in a session with reporters in Nashville on Wednesday on Nassim Nunez. 
Yeah, so, you know, some a uh, young player with with some elite uh, elite tools. Uh, you know, he's uh, uh, good scouting reports on him. Uh, we've seen him a lot. We did a lot of work on the makeup and, uh, and the attitude and that type of thing. But uh, you know, terrific defensively. It plays uh, it plays uh, elite level shortstop arm range hands. Uh, can play anywhere in the middle of the field and you know, big time base stealer. Uh, we think that there's some upside with the bat. Uh, the bat's far far behind the uh, the defense. Defense, but uh, you know, a, a guy that we think has more uh, has has more bat in there, takes his walks. He's, he's pretty selective at the plate, uh, and uh, you know, it was, it was something that we you know we really you know trying to get as many tools and players up the middle of the field as possible. And we thought this was a way to get some kind of an elite type of uh, tools player in, in, into the uh, onto, onto the roster. All right. Also, the Nats on Wednesday reportedly agreed on a minor league contract with first baseman slash outfielder Juan Yepes. Uh, the 2024 season will be the age 26 season of Juan Yepes. Uh, Yepes, over 339 major league plate appearances for the St. Louis Cardinals over the 2022 and 2023 regular seasons, had an OPS plus of 97. So about a league average batter at the major league level. OPS plus is OPS that's adjusted for a player's league in home ballpark. 100 is average. Above 100 is good. Below 100 is bad. Uh, look, I know that <laughs> there are Nats fans who hear these names, Nassim Nunez and Juan Yepes, and say, uh, yeah, print the World Series tickets. I get it. You want the Nats to be more aggressive this offseason. But I'm actually fine with the Nats still not spending much in free agency or making any big trades this offseason, primarily for this reason. We got to see where the rebuild is going. There still is a lot to be determined with this Nats rebuild. Who among the young players slash prospects is going to pan out? Who among the young players slash prospects is not going to pan out? What exactly do the Nats have? Where truly are the needs? We don't yet have the answers to these questions. This is part, by the way, of why I'm not one of these people uh, waving the flag of victory over the Juan Soto trade in terms of, hey, he just got traded again. Ergo, the Nats won that trade with the Padres. It may be that the Nats proved to have won that trade. And I think right now, if you're a Nats fan, you would not undo that trade. But we got to see what becomes of these Nats young players slash prospects. You can't be certain about anyone at this point. You can be encouraged but you can't be certain about anyone at this point. Uh, I think that this coming season is going to be massive for the Nats in terms of getting answers to these questions of who among the young players slash prospects is going to pan out, who isn't, what exactly do the Nats have, where truly are the needs. But for now, making a bunch of moves just for the sake of making moves does not make much sense. Uh, let the rebuild breathe, let the rebuild play out, and then when you know more about what you have and what you don't, you then make your moves. Uh, now, a team that has let its rebuild play out and in beautiful fashion is the Orioles. And they on Wednesday made a big move. Now, obviously, the big move in the American League East is the Yankees getting Juan Soto. But the O's on Wednesday announced that they have agreed to terms with free agent reliever Craig Kimbrell on a one-year contract for the 2024 season with a club option for 2025. The contract reportedly is a one-year $12 million contract with a $1 million buyout for a $13 million club option for the 2025 season. So this is at least a one-year $13 million deal, making the contract 
the richest free agent contract given out by the O's since Mike Elias was named as executive vice president and general manager on November 16th, 2018. Yeah, one year, $13 million, richest free agent contract given out by the O's since Mike Elias took over in November 2018. Uh, This coming season will be Craig Kimbrell's age 36 season. Uh, He has passed his peak, but he over the last three seasons, 2021 through 2023, has demonstrated durability and a high strikeout rate. Uh, Kimbrell has at least 59 and two-thirds innings pitched in each of the last three regular seasons, and his strikeouts per nine innings over these last three regular seasons is a very good 12.7. The O's are set to be without their ace reliever, Felix Batista, for all of the 2024 season due to Tommy John's surgery. And Mike Elias, in a session with reporters in Nashville on Wednesday, did say that Craig Kimbrell will be the Orioles' ace reliever for the 2024 season. Here was some of what Mike had to say. He is uh, one of the best closers in baseball history at this point. Uh, He's still got a lot in the tank, and uh, he had a really solid season last year, and we see a lot of things from a scouting perspective going forward that has this place in a pretty big bet that this guy's going to have a really good season for us. Um, It was was the very first uh, conversation that I had with an agent when free agency opened the first day, night of the G- GM meetings and I just think it was that obvious of a fit you know we've got this really great team great roster that's um, missing its closer because of injury um, we've got a guy that that loves pitching leverage innings and, and closing out games and he loves winning and he saw a team that could use him and so we talked early um, obviously it was uh uh, took a while to, to get the, the deal and the finances uh, figured out, um, which is normal. But um, we had a nice uh, meeting with Craig, with, with Brandon Hyde, and um, it was pretty clear that, that we wanted him and, and he wanted to come join this Orioles team. And um, so I think it's a great deal for for all sides. I think an important feature for us is, um, you know, we do have a, a club option for 2025, so this turns out to be a good fit. I think that's that going to be nice for us and I think both parties are um, entering this arrangement with the spirit of uh, this potentially being a two-year thing so uh, we're optimistic about it um, I feel uh, way more um, structured when we think about our bullpen now to, to have um, Craig in there and um, you know the plan is for him to be the closer, and we're, we're we're very clear about that when we we sign him, and that's what we wanted him to do. I, that doesn't mean he's not gonna, you know, Brandon's not gonna use him to face the middle of the order in a tie game in the eighth inning, or you, you, you know how it goes. But um, you know he'll be he'll be uh, uh, leading the pack there, and from the back end of the bullpen, I think the um, the veteran mentorship factor. I mean, it's not not a huge part of why we're doing this, but it, it's something nice that uh, our young bullpen is is lacking. And uh, just so all around, um, he, he was a priority for us for us to figure out a deal with him because we thought it was uh, kind of the right guy at the right time um, and uh, the, the, the right fit for us. Well, one year, $13 million for Craig Kimbrell does seem kind of steep, But I tell you, with the O's right now, there is a trust in the process like there hasn't been in years. Mike Elias and his staff know what they're doing. And so 
If they think that Kimbrell can still be very good and that the contract makes sense, then I do give the O's the benefit of the doubt. Uh, They have earned that. And if you in your life have a Nats fan or an O's fan, uh, getting that person tickets would make for a great gift. Uh, Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Game time is great for tickets for you or for someone as a gift, given that we are in the holiday season. Uh, The Game Time app is offering outstanding deals on tickets to games. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time app. Uh, What makes Game Time great is its best price guarantee. You don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. Game Time's best price guarantee means that you'll always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team venue or artist. Uh, also, Game Time is the app for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game Time also offers flash deals on tickets and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So you never have to dig through your email. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time which is offering a great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app and use that promo code ALGALDI. Game Time, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, we earlier in the show talked a bunch about the NFL team for which Josh Harris is managing partner, the Commanders, uh, the Wizards. uh, They on Wednesday night faced the NBA team for which Josh Harris is managing partner, the Philadelphia 76ers. And uh, the Wizards lost again, uh, although this was a competitive game, but the Wizards fell to 3-17 and in this NBA regular season with a 131-126 loss to the 76ers at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night. The Wizards blew a 10-point second quarter lead. They, in the fourth quarter, led by one point at 102-101, but they then lost the rest of the game 30-24. The Wizards in this game got destroyed by 7-foot 76ers center Joel Embiid, who scored 50 points. Yes, 5-0, 50 points, half of a C-note. Uh, Joel Embiid in 38 minutes, two seconds as a starter, went one of two on threes, 18 of 27 on twos, and 11 of 13 on free throws. And he finished with, yes, 50 points, 13 rebounds, including six offensive boards and seven assists. He did commit six turnovers, but Embiid having six offensive rebounds was part of the Wizards having just two offensive rebounds to the 76ers' 11, and thus just four second chance points to the 76ers' 15. And Embiid going 11 of 13 on free throws was part of the Wizards having just eight free throw attempts to the 76ers' 34. Uh, The Wizards went 8 of 8 on free throws. The 76ers went 29 
of 34 on free throws. So the Wizards got outscored in terms of free throw points, 29-8. Also, Embiid was part of Daniel Gafford fouling out in just 22 minutes, 58 seconds as a starter. Although Gafford, in that small amount of playing time, did have 18 points, six rebounds, four assists versus no turnovers, and two blocks. Uh, he went eight of 10 from the field, all twos and two of two on free throws. That's the thing. The Wizards lost despite being really good offensively. Uh, they scored 126 points, went 14 to 35 on threes and 38 to 57 on twos, had, get this, 39 assists versus just 11 turnovers. The Wizards nearly had 40 assists in this game. Three Wizards starters, Tyus Jones, Kyle Kuzma, and Denny Avdia, they combined for 23 assists versus just four turnovers. Uh, Tyus Jones had what was, to me, his best game this season. He, in 31 minutes, 22 seconds as a starter, went 2 of 4 on threes, 6 of 7 on twos, and 2 of 2 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 8 assists versus 1 turnover, 3 rebounds, and 2 blocks. Bilal Koulibaly, another good game for him. He, in 27 minutes, 31 seconds off the bench, uh, did go just 1 of 5 on threes, but also 5 of 5 on twos, 1 of 1 on free throws. He finished with 14 points, 3 steals, and 3 assists versus 2 turnovers. And Jordan Poole, who was questionable for the game with a left ankle sprain, uh, he did play, and he had a good game in terms of shooting. Uh, he, in 31 minutes, 46 seconds, as a starter, went 3 of 5 on threes and 7 of 11 on twos. He finished with 23 points. He did have 2 assists versus 3 turnovers. Uh, but speaking of injuries, so the Wizards on Wednesday night were without a good number of guys. Landry Shamit did not play due to a right rib sprain. Uh, Johnny Davis did not play due to a left calf strain. Uh, not that he plays much, but the Wizards on Wednesday evening announced that Davis would, quote, be treated conservatively, end quote, and would, quote, be evaluated weekly, end quote. So he could be out for a while. Uh, and remaining out for the Wizards were DeLon Wright due to a left knee sprain and Ryan Rollins due to a right knee strain. Uh, next up for the Wizards at the Brooklyn Nets, Friday night at 7.30. We move now to Maryland basketball. Uh, what is it about the Terrapins playing conference games at home? Uh, the Terps in this season improved a 5-4 and four overall and 1-1 one and one in the Big Ten with an 81-75 overtime win over Penn State at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Wednesday night. A much-needed win for the Terps of their 65-53 loss at Indiana this past Friday night. A game that was a lot worse than that final score indicated. And the Terps now have won 16 consecutive Big Ten home games. Remember last season, the Terps in their 2022-2023 regular season went just 1-9 and in Big Ten road games versus 10-0 and in Big Ten home games. Home sweet home for the Turtles. Uh, the Terps in this overtime win over Penn State overcame an 11-point first-half deficit and won the overtime 10-4. The Terps' defense was good. You know, the Terps' offense this season has not been good, but the Terps' defense this season has been good. The Terps on Wednesday night held Penn State to just 8 of 25 on threes and just 16 of 37 on twos. The Terps did have problems with 5'11 Penn State point guard Kanye Clary. Uh, they allowed him in 41 minutes as a starter to go 
go 2 of 5 on threes, 6 of 12 on twos, and 7 of 7 on free throws. He finished with 25 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists versus 2 turnovers. But the Terps held the rest of the Nittany Lions to just 6 of 20 on threes and just 10 of 25 on twos. Uh, by the way, also on Penn State <laughs> is 6'11 center Kudis Wahab. Yes, Kudis is still playing. Uh, Penn State is his latest team. Uh, Kudis Wahab went from playing for Georgetown to playing for Maryland to then back to playing for Georgetown to now playing for Penn State. Quite a journey for Kudis Wahab. Uh, the Terps won despite having a bad game offensively. Yeah, this Terps offense just is not good, man. Uh, the Terps on Wednesday night, just 5 of 25 on threes and just 18 of 42 on two. So yet another bad game for the Terps on threes. Also, the Terps had just 9 assists versus 16 turnovers, but the Terps did generate a whopping 39 free throw attempts to Penn State's 21. Uh, the Terps went 30 of 39 on free throws. Penn State went 19 of 21 on free throws. So in an overtime game, Maryland outscoring Penn State in terms of free throw points, 30-19 loomed large. Uh, and the Terps had 23 offensive rebounds to Penn State's nine and thus 18 second chance points to Penn State's eight. Uh, 52 of the Terps' 81 points on Wednesday night came from just two guys, 6'1 point guard Jameer Young and 6'9 Julian Reese. Uh, this game became the Jameer Young and Julian Reese show, especially from a free throw shooting standpoint. Jameer Young, uh, who was questionable for the game due to an ankle injury, he played. He played for 44 minutes as a starter. He went 2 of 7 on threes, 5 of 12 on twos, and 12 of 12 on free throws. He finished with 28 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists. He did commit six turnovers. Uh, but Julian Reese, he in 41 minutes as a starter, went seven of 11 from the field, all twos. He did go just 10 of 15 on free throws, but he finished with 24 points, 15 rebounds, including six offensive boards and two assists versus two turnovers. Here was Terps head coach Kevin Willard during his postgame press conference on Wednesday night on Julian Reese. I think Julian Reese is really developing into a heck of a leader, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, he was the one after after we we went into overtime. He was the guy really talking and just saying, hey, let's go. We got five more minutes. Let's let's figure this out. Let's let's find a way. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we did some stupid things, but it was a lot of stupid things by guys that are going to learn from it and get better from it and won't do it again. You know, that's part of – having a lot of guys that haven't been in this situation before and haven't played in this league. So they'll get there. Yeah, big win for the Terps. Uh, next up for Maryland, home to Alcorn State, Tuesday night at 7. And that will do it. For you and me for now, keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 716. We'll provide you with more on the commanders. Also on Friday show, we'll talk college football. We'll have a Goldilocks preview and pick for Navy versus Army at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts this Saturday afternoon at 3. And on Friday's show, we'll talk Capitals. The Caps are home to the Dallas Stars Thursday night at 8. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and we'll talk to you on Friday.
This is what we're expecting though, okay? Like there's there's gonna be opportunities. Really it's about speed through here, Reed. Okay, be ready to run right past his ass, okay? It's like, the, if we get man coverage, it's stealing, okay? All right, 